Well, of course, but... <laughs> All right. Uh, a Humanistic Perspective, episode 36. This is the slate for lining it up in post. And three, two, one. Hello, and welcome to another episode of A Humanistic Perspective. As always, I am Chad Castilla, and today I'm joined with... Chris Gatos. Yes, sir. Yes, and sir. today we have a very special guest with us. The wonderful TJ. TJ, do you want to introduce yourself for people? Uh, TJ Ostrico. I'm from Sandwich, Illinois. <laughs> Hell yes. Thank you for joining us. And uh, TJ and I, we first got connected actually through James. And mm-hmm. James went, James is here if too. there's <laughs> anyone you have to meet, in the background, an interesting <laughs> person, I, I think you would give a good introduction into this episode with TJ. So maybe can you give us like just a, ba- a brief background on our, from your perspective? Oh, on TJ? Yeah. Oh, boy. Well, me and TJ met in welding class in high school, and we were, like, the two quiet kids, and I was like, hey, you're good at this, and you're, like, (laughs) we're, like, the two outcasts, so we just kind of, like, became friends after that. It was, like, me, you, Dalton Smith, yeah, and, like, literally sitting there filing away at this aluminum project, and me and him sat there for, like, two and a half hours just shooting the breeze, and then we just kind of became friends after that, and... Yeah. yeah, just bullshitting and then uh, meeting up a little bit here and there. Sure. Well, decided we that we... Uh, took a trip to Jacksonville. That was really like... Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, we took a trip to Jacksonville for uh, Jacksonville, Illinois. Okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I was like, oh, Florida. Yeah, no. Yeah. <laughs> uh, for a truck show because I had a old uh, 92 Dodge diesel, so... I brought that down. Of course, uh, it was real hot that day, and uh, my windows oh. decided not to work. So we were sweating yeah. balls the whole way. AC? No. No AC. So, well, yeah. there we are. so there we are driving all the way down to Jacksonville. Oh, boy, there's a bike in my face. <laughs> um, driving all the way down there, and we've got just... Like, what is that thing? Like, 8 inches by 10 inches, the sliding back window in that truck? Yeah. That's it. And, and the smoker what, vents, Oh, too. and the smoker <laughs> vents. So we're both sitting there like... <sighs> Dying. We'd get to a stop stoplight stop and be like, crack the door uh, open for a little bit. Like, oh, that's the stuff. I oh, think man. the best Oof. part was when I got home from that trip, <laughs> I uh, fixed the one wire that was messed up in my door jam. Literally, and it was they just worked one wire stopping after. all of that. Wow. Literally, literally, <laughs> literally in the driveway. Like, we just got back. He's like, oh, I was supposed to see if I should fix the windows. Pulls the door panel up. Yep, there it is. Fixed it. Like, <laughs> no in way. five minutes. I yeah. was like, well, I probably should have done that earlier. But sure. How far right. is Jacksonville? It's like three hours. Oh, jeez. Cool. Yeah. Cool. You're Damn. just going like 85 down the road. So Yikes. Try yeah. to get as much air through the, <laughs> the vents as you can. <laughs> oh, no. Tiny ports. Uh, it was screaming, though, that poor truck. It was leaking all kinds of stuff after we got back. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, uh, I like to start and go back to the beginning. The beginning of TJ. Yep. How does it start? Where is it? Um, now, how early should we start, though? Where That's were you the born? Question. Where was I born? <laughs> Okay, well... Are you from Illinois? Like, were you born in Born Illinois? and raised in Illinois. Okay, um, nice. Like we talked about earlier, I uh, grew up in Plano, and then we moved to Sandwich, and we've been there ever since. Um, but, yeah, so good old Sandwich, Illinois. Mm-hmm. Um, what I guess was your we can, experience in high school like? Like, were, were you 
popular kid? Were you like, all right, I'm a worker. I like just working and then just coming to school, doing the classes. What was your, um, what was your, well, your in high school, I was kind of like keeping to myself. I didn't have a ton of friends. Um, sure. but it was fine that way. Um, I was on the fishing too? team oh, for fishing all team. four Ooh. years. Yeah, Sandwich had a fishing team. Actually, really? I went to state twice. What's the biggest catch you had? Uh, the problem is the biggest fish I've ever caught, I didn't have a scale to weigh it, so I couldn't okay. exactly tell you. Okay. But surprisingly, only like six pounds. Okay. Which isn't like extreme because some of these guys is it about speed or is it about how many you can catch or what is um now for the fishing team um during practice you know we'd have like scores between all the members okay so that was just like you know any fish counts and it was length that's how they counted that but when you get to a tournament it's five fish is the limit okay um biggest of five has to be over 12 no no over 14 inches i think and uh it doesn't matter what it weighs as long as you know it's your five biggest bass and uh you know you keep them in your live well on the boat um and then you bring them at the end of the day which is typically like two three o'clock in the afternoon you start at like six um so it's a decently long day on the water but um yeah and then they uh will do the weigh-in and you know whoever has the most weight wins and then they do like you know prizes and stuff and um but for state for state it was actually pretty cool because it was 66 boats and this is teams all high school teams uh all across the state and uh this was at carlisle lake um i think that's literally just carlisle illinois okay yeah um Yep, fact check. Yeah, fact check me, James please. is checking you right now. <laughs> <laughs> but in charge here, Yeah, that that lake is actually pretty interesting because it's only like it's a real shallow lake, but it's one of the biggest lakes in Illinois. So really? when it's windy, there's like six to eight foot rollers out there. So you can surf it. Yes, that is the Carlisle Lake. Carlisle is about a four. It's about a four hour and a fifteen minute cruise from Yorkville. Uh, yeah, so southwest. If the right by St. Louis. If the wind is pretty much blowing any direction, it's blowing huge waves. So when you're in a shallow little bass boat and you're trying to get across the lake, you're skipping oh. like the whole boat is out <laughs> of the like water. Like a little pebble. Yeah, it is awful and never slow down because if you come off plane, you're going to get the wave coming over the the bow of the boat. So Yeah, yeah so <laughs> It was a fun time. Uh, I enjoyed the fishing team, but uh, um, so somewhere this, this in is like when you first picked up a welding torch as well, right? And started welding. Well, the deal with that, um, well, initially it was like around freshman year or something. I, you know, thought in the back of my mind, it'd be kind of cool to get into welding, mm-hmm. and uh, I've always been kind of fascinated about it. Um, so when i turned 16 so this was summer of shoot it's been a minute it's probably summer of 2014 2015 maybe um i started work my first job uh my dad actually got me the job at vermeer midwest it's in uh, north aurora okay and 
I was kind of the shop bitch. <laughs> yeah. So uh, just getting tools. No, getting... it wasn't like that. It was more like cleaning. Oh, oh. Take so out the trash. Yeah, 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 taking out the trash. So this is like a big mechanic shop. Okay. Um, and my dad had been working there for about twenty years at the time. So okay. I didn't even have to do an interview or anything. He's like, he came home one day and he's just like, "All right, you're coming with me to work." I'm like what (laughs) (laughs) so uh yeah i started working there that was my first job and i actually the majority of the time when i was doing that job i was actually washing the equipment so i had a wash bay so you're cleaning off grease dirt mud whatever what have you all day long i was soaked all the time it was real fun in the winter time too because my pants would be wet and i'd go outside when it's like negative whatever (laughs) it would instantly freeze freeze. (laughs) but uh yeah this was a paid position right yeah and uh honestly for a first (laughs) job i actually got paid pretty good i was real surprised what they paid me they paid me 1150 wow oh wow boy yeah, so wow. that was like, whoa. <laughs> yeah, that's big. Money. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, that money I made that summer is what uh, got me to uh, buy that truck that we took to Jacksonville. So, so was that, that was like my the first dream money truck? Pay. Was that... Honestly, yeah. Um, I wanted something is in a little... Is it still around or no? Uh, I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> what does that no mean? No idea. Uh, I owned it for a year, and uh, I sold it, then that kid sold it, then that kid sold it, you know. Yeah, you lost Ended up somewhere in northern, or like somewhere in Wisconsin, I think. It's probably in a junkyard in a million pieces, but that thing was a pile, but... Mm. That was my first Rest truck. Rest in peace. <laughs> yeah, yeah, RIP. It was your pile, though, and it was a fun pile. Yeah, like, well, I made we, it look good. Well, yeah, we built that roll pan for it. Yeah. That was fun. That was a really fun project. Yeah, too bad the kid that bought it off me ruined it, like, right away. Oh? Yeah, he backed into something or somebody hit... No, somebody hit him. So it wasn't really his fault, but it was all, like, bent. <laughs> yeah, because that thing was just as... It was heavy duty. No, not really. <laughs> I it's cut a roll the pan. it's not supposed to be heavy. I duty. cut the bumper off uh um I cut the bumper brackets off the original stock bumper and uh used those brackets to uh uh weld onto that pan and the pan was only like eighth inch. So it wasn't that heavy duty. And sure. then I put little like shackles on it (laughs) it looked pretty cool but you know that was the roll pan i guess it's better than a real thin piece of sheet metal i guess but Mm -hmm. yeah no that that truck's long gone it's probably dead and probably for the best but um but yeah so what i was getting at with vermeer um so i'd have like 15 minute breaks or whatever and uh my dad is the one that actually started teaching me how to weld. Okay. So I actually learned on a big MIG welder, uh, dual shield O52 for people who actually know what is, a little yeah, bit so about welding. Explain that a little bit for me. So O52 is the size wire. And when I'm saying dual shield, it's uh, wire and flux. Okay. It's uh, flux core. So it's, you know, when you look at the wire, it just looks like regular wire. But inside right. that wire is flux. So when you weld it, um, the flux creates a shield over the weld mm-hmm. and that you can chip off. 
Um, and because it's dual shield, it actually uses uh, shielding gas as well. So that's just like a real... Um, you can weld that really, really hot. So for Vermeer, they did that a lot because it was big, heavy, thick steel all the time. So that was like just what they used. So 052, um, <laughs> one of the first things I did was welding uphill with that, which is one of the hardest things to do. And you started there. That's where I started, yeah. So... Um, was that just the assignment you got put on or were you like i want to start with no, the hardest thing this first? was just like for fun this was just welding on scrap steel um so i did that when i could at vermeer and then uh once um the fall semester came around for senior year um i finally was able to take ivic welding and that's uh where i met this guy and uh, we had Mr. Hipple, which is one of the best teachers ever. He talked about him on he the said that as well. episode what 34. What makes him so fantastic in your eyes? He's just like, he's a real down-to-earth guy. Um, really cool. He knows a lot about a lot. <laughs> <laughs> um, and just his teaching style was really good. He, well, he was just a humble dude. Yeah. You know, there was nothing... You know, I, I talked about it where, you know, he would, you know, it. you can't teach welding off of a piece of paper. You have to teach it from, you know, just by doing it. And that was always something that I remember him always beating into us was, you know, just keep going. You know, all right, yeah, you, you messed up, grind it out, go over the top of it, yeah. keep going. But he was never, man, I don't, I don't think the man, I mean, I'm sure everybody can be a dick, but I mean... So much as even raise his voice unless he was just excited about something. Mm-hmm. I mean, every time, <clears throat> I mean, I ever talked to him, he was just real calm, collected. You know, not yeah, not a care in the world. Yeah. Oh yeah, you know. real real down to earth guy. How hard would it be for us to get him on? Uh, I haven't talked to him in years. So. Is he live in the area? Still? Yeah, he lives in Waterman. That's yeah. still, I know where he lives. Okay. Yeah, he. Wait, didn't we we passed his place? Yeah. Yeah, he has a little. His place. Uh, he has a little camshaft yeah. for he, his mailbox. Yeah, he's got a, a private business. He restores, like, rebuilds Model A's. It's called Twisted Road Customs. Yeah, that's right. And that's uh, so that that's eventually what led him to not teaching at Ivic anymore. Yeah, because so he, he was uh, farming, doing his own business with Twisted Road Customs, and mm-hmm. teaching. So he would come in. Like he he had a, he had to do uh, whatever in his fields the night before. He was and, literally uh, hustling. Yeah, and uh, he would come in and he would be so dead, like so tired in the morning because we had morning class. Yeah, sure. Um, and he would just be like dr- trying to like drink his coffee to wake up, and he's just like, Ugh. <laughs> but yeah, he's a really cool guy, and uh, yeah that. I'd uh, love to see him again to like show him more how far I've come for sure. Skill wise, yeah. So what? Where did you go next? So you you take this welding class and are you like, all right, I know for a fact this is the path I'm doing now, and it's it's well. There was a lot um, with the path that I took after high school had a lot to do with the with Ivic. So because of how well I did in the class. Um, 
I actually ended up getting student of the year. Um, and we also did a tournament uh, against Fox Valley Vocational Center. And we destroyed them. Yeah, <laughs> destroyed them. How do you destroy in a welding competition? That's well, sick. They, they, they cheated. Like, no, up. what? No, they didn't cheat. Well, not, no, not the first year. The second year they did. Like, yeah, I, that was What are you guys competing about? Welding. So, so yeah. We, so... Oh, let's pause for the train. <laughs> and we're back. Thank you to the train for giving us a nice little healthy break there. Uh, we we left off with welding and finishing up at IVIC. So. Yeah. So um, the deal with that, we were talking about the tournament. Okay. So with the tournament, um, we'd go there. And uh, beforehand, we built like a shelf. And uh, it was pretty cool. You know, you'd take your time doing that, finish it. However, I made mine. I did a pretty decent job probably do way better now but uh, um so i did that and uh they don't uh, judge them until the actual tournament so we'd bring those um while we were in the welding booths um well actually so we had to weld this engine stand it's like a small engine stand or whatever that's what we had to weld at the competition well depending so, on your process yeah yeah so I had to do an engine stand. I forget what the other ones were. I had to do, it was like a, a desk, um, a pen holder, business card holder thing. Okay, yeah, which, yeah. oh, did no, 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 TIG? no. I did TIG, and I had to do... Is it easier to do smaller welds or bigger weld yeah, projects? It, it kind of depends on... It like, depends on the process. So, like, for... No, I had to do the paper towel holder, remember? And it was because... Um, I forget what that even looked like. I have it in my room still, to be honest with you. Well, you and show it, me it's still time. butchered. But uh, <laughs> I had never TIG welded before. And Mr. Hipple, the yeah. day of the competition, Mr. Hipple comes up to me with a permission slip, goes, can you forge your mom's signature and learn how to TIG weld in two hours? And I'm like, signature's oh. the easy part. I'm like, yeah. uh, you know, I text my mom, forging your signature. Okay, for what? Field trip, okay, have fun, <laughs> you know, and then yeah, and then I had field a, trip. I'm gonna be welding. Yeah, yeah and then uh, I had Mr. Hipple and Chad Worley of all people. He's sitting there, and Chad's like, "If you don't know what to do, more filler rod." And I'm like, <laughs> "Okay, <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah." That's Chad is like, Chad is probably he was definitely better than me at the time, um, and. The only reason I won that tournament was because he didn't build a shelf. I will say that hands down right now. Oh, yeah. That was the, the only reason why. the project you did? Um, he just decided not to build a shelf. Don't know why. Yeah. He would have won. Sure. Oh, but, yeah. Just like um, a completion thing? Like he just didn't complete his task? It wasn't necessarily like a technique? No, like he just decided not to do one. Oh. Literally. He like just said, didn't want to do one. Yeah. So yeah. uh, we both competed in the MIG welding section because uh, that was my strong suit because that's what I learned first, you know, whatever. And uh, I finished second to Chad. Um, and because my shelf actually won for that side of the tournament, the points from both of those, and because Chad didn't build a shelf, I won, so I ended up getting like a um, a DeWalt grinder. Uh, nice. I got a welding helmet that I actually used for multiple years afterwards. 
Um, good helmet? It was a pretty good helmet, yeah. It died on me when I was actually in the Union. No okay. So it made it that far. So it made it like probably three and a half years. Yeah, wow. it's just a wall hanger now. Yeah, I have the shield still. Um, yeah, because the auto darkener just died, right? Yeah, it it like split or something, so it only darkened like half of it or whatever. So it would just flash you. Yeah. Just close one eye. So how do those helmets work for someone who doesn't know anything about them? Uh, I really couldn't tell you the technology <laughs> behind a... it, but I will tell you that In there's... In layman's terms. There's a little strip on the front, and uh, it notices like... It'll notice like sunlight, so it'll darken with sunlight too. Um but when it notices the weld flash, it goes dark. When you're not welding, it's like wearing a... It's like wearing a really dark pair of sunglasses. It's, yeah. It's like those headphones you have, but for your eyes. Exactly. I mean, the way... There's basically like... It, depending on the quality of the, the shield, there's light sensors in there. Usually yeah. a good one has even six of them. So when you have that fl- flash of light, it'll... Exactly, yeah. it'll and it's flip like an instant. Yeah, like it it's is usually immediate. measured within like what one one thousandth of a second. Yeah, it's or something shorter, something crazy. Because so like if it like if it took like a second to activate, your eyes blind. would be blind. Yeah, I, you'd this be blind leads perfect into what I was just about to ask. Give me a rundown. What is the list of uh, injuries that can happen in a welding shop? Huh. All of them. Yeah, well, <laughs> most common. I give just me, had give this me most discussion common. with my uh, friend the other day. And uh, it's like, there's a lot of ways you could die in a shop. So just to name a few, I'd say the most dangerous things in my shop, we have power hammers. So this is like a 100-year-old hammer for forging. Like a, like a powered blacksmithing hammer. Yeah, yes. It like yes. Ding, like ding, with tons, ding. and I mean literal tons of force. So Holy cow. Yeah, you stick your hand in there or whatever. It's you're not gonna <laughs> have a no hand way. anymore. Yeah, that that's one of those tools where you live by the rules of uh, don't put your hands where you wouldn't put your penis. Yes, that is like straight true. up. But um, you just gotta f- like feel the machine, and you know, you when you're forging stuff, you get something like <sighs> James. <laughs> Such a nice machine you've been. <laughs> uh, so. Uh, <laughs> You know, you, you heat up whatever in the forge, and uh, uh, the only thing I've really done is anneal aluminum. So you get aluminum up to like I think it's like 800 degrees. It's annealed, um, so you can form it real easy. If you overheat it, it'll sometimes just blow into a million pieces. Have you um, seen that? Yeah. How cool is it? It's like it's really weird. Honestly, because explain it's like it, it just falls it. apart, like something so hard. Does it look like ash, like when leaves? No, burn off, no, it's or? like a it almost bunch of like, like pieces. Like, yeah, it almost like crumbles like styrofoam. It's a really hard thing to explain. Yeah, like that's an interesting phenomenon. I would say it's closest to like shattering ice, but at the same time, it also squishes almost like it. safety glass. Yeah, it's. It's really weird. But so like, like it doesn't it's, shatter. It's, it's like this really slow motion. And it like blows apart. It's, it's so weird. It's so cool. Yeah. It is really cool, yeah. But it is very weird. So that's that happens when you overheat it. Okay. So but anyways, 
getting back to dangerous things in the shop. Um, <laughs> so we actually have a water jet table. So this is like real, like crazy technology for um, um, fabricating metal. So. So it's using wire to cool, I'm assuming, while it's cutting. No, 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 no. <laughs> what is happening? So, uh, 50,000 PSI water and sand cuts through anything you want. Water Any thickness. I want to see a video of this. I'll, I'll show you afterward on here. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, and look up, uh, we have an Omax machine. So Omax is definitely hands down the best water jet table and company in the world, hands down, because they have the best customer service I have ever seen. <laughs> and that's regardless of water jet stuff. That's everything. Like yeah, they will explain anything to you and like right away with parts, they'll overnight parts to you or anything like that. Um, there's, a lot of people rely on that company for their entire business. There's a lot of just water jetting companies out there. So what why, why, What makes that part of the process so lucrative and why there's so many businesses that are doing it? Um, there isn't a whole lot of... Uh, well, there's a lot of businesses doing water jetting. There's not a whole lot of businesses making water jet tables. Got it. So there's like a handful of those... Um, there's probably like cheap ones, you know, whatever you can get like little tiny ones that you can put in your garage, whatever we're talking about, like, uh, like a 20 by eight table, you know, this is how big ours is pretty much. I forget the exact size. Sorry. Um, but, uh, a lot of people do water jetting because it's so accurate within like, um, thousands of an inch like wow. that's how accurate you can get it and it's honestly um it's more operator than anything else because you can you know saw through something if you want you know it'll have a real really weird cut edge but uh, when you really get the machine dialed it's nuts how accurate you can be in cutting like the tiniest holes you know and uh that's so cool yeah so like can it cut any shape or like what what are the things that are being matter, made dude. most out of it you can it's our table is a five axis table so it has a tilt head so it'll tilt to 60 degrees so uh yeah, so you can like cut a bevel on like, yes <clears throat> like you you could almost sharpen your own mower blades on it if you want yes. to we can wow. we've we've actually uh uh done like bucket blade bevels um, like for excavator buckets and all that kind of stuff. Mm. I've done that a lot. Um, and it's, it's funny because those blades are like inch and a half or yeah, it's about inch and a half thick sometimes. And it'll cut it at a 60 degree angle and it'll be literally perfect and insanely sharp. And it's like nuts because when you're cutting a 60 degree angle, to make uh, like a say, I don't know, like a three sixteenths land on the side, so that's how much is left, and then the rest of it is just the bevel. Uh, you're cutting through like over two inches thick at that angle, so it it's nuts. That is crazy, and it is so 
smooth. What does it sound like? Is it a loud machine? Or? Honestly, it really isn't that loud. You'd think it'd be like super loud. It's not that loud. Uh, the other benefit of the table is that you can raise the water level so it'll actually cut underwater. Okay. So it'll, it's real quiet when you do that. Really Damn. quiet. But uh, so <laughs> I think it's like, I want to say however many pounds a minute. I want to say it's more, well, it's, it's probably a pound a minute is how much sand that goes through. So we've put probably almost 40,000 pounds of sand through the machine already. It's got almost 70 or 700 hours on, on it. What's that? How many pallets of sand do you keep? So, <laughs> funny you should have asked. Uh, 44,000 pounds of sand is how much we ordered. So that's a truckload of sand. <laughs> yeah. He sent so me pictures each, when it came in. So each pallet is uh, 2,200 pounds. Yeah. yeah. And it's only like this tall. It's only like, I don't know, 24 inches tall, but uh, 2,200 pounds, and it goes quick. You know, we have to fill it like every eight hours. Do you have to use like a forklift to fill it and stuff? Or? Um, right now, we have a hopper that we just load by hand. Okay. Um, we're going to make a hopper that will take an entire bag of sand. At a time. So we're going to change up the way we do it. Right now, we just get like 60 to 80 pound bags of sand. So you have to, you know, do like nine bags of sand every time you fill it up, which gets annoying, you know, whatever. But you can actually order 2,200 pounds of sand in a giant sack. And uh, all you have to do is just throw that sack into a giant hopper, and then you don't have to refill it until that's empty. It's like paintball, quick reloading. Yeah. So, or extended mag. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but yeah, so that's how we do that. Um, but yeah, I could go, let's go back to after Ivic, I guess after high school graduating, what did you do next? Where did you go first? Ryan manufacturing. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, because of Ivic, um, and because I did so well, like I said, um, and I'm not trying to like boast. No, this, yeah, yeah. It's just what it is. Um, I got a job opportunity, uh, so from my welding instructor, Mr. Hipple, he offered me a job because they were looking for guys at Ryan Manufacturing. So, <laughs> you know, you, you come out of IVIC class thinking you know something, you know, especially because, you know, you, you do really well in a tournament. You know, you win a tournament, whatever. Get student of the year, whatever, no big deal. You're feeling yourself. You're like I'm feeling good. You yeah. know, you're like oh, yeah. I'm ready to I'm ready to do this as a career. And uh, you walk into that shop and you're real nervous, and you get your first project, and you're like, man, I really don't know shit. <laughs> <laughs> you realize it humbles you quickly. I bet. You know, you come out of school, and this is this is probably for like everybody. I feel like, you know, this is for every kind of. Uh, Every thing trade. you learn, yeah, not just for trades, but for like, like college in general. You come out of it thinking you know something, and then you get into the real world, and you realize that it's way different. Yeah, entirely. So, so um, I picked it up. It it took me like I would say like six months, and I was real settled in there. Um, I was able to do what everything kind of projects were you working own. on there? 
So with my, Ryan Manufacturing, uh, their main contract was to build uh, dump beds for off-road machines, for like tracked equipment, for Terramac, which is actually out of Elburn. And uh, they're getting bigger, but they sell, I think, mostly up north for pipeline and down in Texas for pipeline as well. It's kind of like a pipeline machine. So uh, it's a real big dump bed. It's like 8 by 12, something like that. It's pretty decent size. Got, you know, side gates on it, tailgate that as you dump, it opens, swings open. Has uh, all the, it has a big, uh, um, I guess you can say, we call it a bulkhead. Oh, the big cab protector? Yeah, basically. Yeah. The big um, duck bill, whatever you want to call because it. Because they put that on there because the guys with the excavators would like to slam into the the bulkhead to clear out their buckets or, you know, they would go to swing and sometimes they'd hit the cab. So they put a real big bulkhead on it. Um, and we'd have to sheet that. We'd have, we, we'd do everything in-house. The only thing that we didn't do was build the hinges. Well, we'd weld them on and everything, but we didn't cut them. They were uh, laser cut and machined because they'd have to be a certain size or whatever. So that was the main thing that we did. So I did a lot of side gates. Like that was the main thing I did for a while because that was pretty easy. Um, that's what really got me in the groove of being able to Is this to weld like a mechanic really where well. you need to have your own gear when you show up to the shop or? I would say for the most part for any welding job, they're going to require you to bring your own welding helmet. Um, Usually helmet, gloves, and if you're really particular about a, a certain jacket or something. So like with some companies, um, because of liability and stuff, I forgot about sometimes they don't allow you to bring in your own like safety gear. So they'll supply you with stuff. So it like it's better for their insurance or whatever. But, uh, but yeah, so getting back to what we were doing there, um, this shop was out in the country in Newark, um, just south of 52. So it was really out there. There was, it was on a farm. <laughs> yeah, it was on his farm. Yeah. The owner, on the owner's farm. The owner's yeah. farm. Yep. <clears throat> want to talk about another really nice dude, though. Oh, yeah. Super nice dude. He's, uh, religious and he's just like, the nicest guy ever. How big was the shop? How many square feet? It was a uh, good there size. Was, there was shop. multiple. Uh, there was like a plasma cutting shop and then a painting area in that like building. Um, and then the other shop, it wasn't huge. And the setup, like the space was kind of set up weird. Um, there was some weird walls, half walls, whatever. We well, made it, it work. Was, it was two barns that were put together because no. i think that center part used to have a sliding door i think that's why there's like it the was half. a barn and then they added on to but, it yeah, yeah yeah that's what i mean yeah yeah so um but yeah it, it was a decent size you know and and was this a union job or no 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 no, no, no it's literally like what it was ryan and you and then two what maybe two other guys like three that. other guys yeah. So it's like the perfect entry level position for a welder. Honestly, it, that was Did you get lucky with that role or Honestly, that was probably one of the best places to start at. Yeah. 
because there's a lot of different stuff. And, you know, um, I kind of pride myself on being able to do a lot of different stuff, not just one thing. Yeah, you're a very versatile welder. Yeah, I, it's not just with welding. It's it's also fabricating. Like, mm. it's metalwork. I don't consider just, like, welding well, that, and fabricating it, isn't just welding. It's, yeah, that's why it. the class is welding and fabrication. Yeah, there's there's a lot more to metalwork than just welding. Do you prefer the fabrication? It's... I could I roll it up it's, all into one. Yeah, ball. it's it's like the artistic process of doing it. You love. Yeah, um, it's kind of an art form in a sense. Well, do do you have any pictures of the roses? I know somewhere I've got a picture of the rose. Yeah, but I don't have a picture of the the rose that we did at Ivic. Yeah, I I made a a bunch more flowers afterwards. Yeah, but well, um, getting to that like artsy side of it is what yeah. I was shooting for. Well, there. you know, going way back. Um, I have a little bit of an artistic side, you know, creative side. A lot. Um, not a little. So that kind of helps. And, you know, especially if you're into art and stuff and you bring it into the trades, especially into welding, you get really particular about how you do things and your quality of work shows, you know, it, it, it shows how, you know, you could tell when there's How a much good welder, care. and yeah, there's like a welder that cares. Um, so, and it has to do a lot with like consistency, and you know, it it's all with your hands. You know, it, it's it's hard to explain off the top of my head. <laughs> I don't like know this. what to do with my hands. Uh, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, so it's just another art form. Yeah, honestly, welding is just another art form. Metalwork is just another art form. It's just so another describe media. Describe metalwork to me. Like, what are you doing? Anything that's not welding. Sure, but talk metal, about some metal of those work. processes. Fabricating is not welding. Metalwork is all of the things. Okay. <laughs> so it's like forging, um, which is you know heating something up and pounding the hell out of it till you make a shape. And forging is amazing, and that is the one thing that I need to learn still. Okay. That is what I'm missing in my life right now. <laughs> I've done a little bit. I've done a little bit of that kind of stuff, but um, you're missing another first gen. Don't lie. What? It's From my life? <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah, but that um, <laughs> we're talking about, you know, metalwork. But uh, I forget what we're talking about now. <laughs> we said I define to... like define metalworking. Yeah. Metalwork is um, anything to do with metal where you take um, basically nothing and turn it into something. So you're taking like flat stock or flat plate or tubing, square tubing, angle iron, whatever, cutting, welding, all this kind of stuff, yeah. making it into whatever you want. And it's endless. Do you have a home endless. setup at all? Home setup? No, I do not, actually. Do you ever work on projects at the shop for yourself or anything? Yes, I do. I do a lot. Well, um, your razor. Yeah, so... What did you do to that? 
getting into side by sides. Yes. I'm sure we're gonna get into that a little more later. I want to get into that. Well, because um, well, you heard you know when in our podcast, you know I, I made sure to bring up like had to bring it go, up <laughs> going to the clips. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so I actually built a custom cage for that, for that for Sick. my razor. Yeah, did I ever show yeah, you pictures true. of his razor? Because I'm pretty proud I think of you, him. I think you did. Well, yeah. just in case it didn't, here we go. Because I'm pretty proud of these pictures of that so razor. So what made you pull the trigger on he getting a razor? He honestly did a real good job for that, for that photo shoot that he did. Um, what, what, what were you saying? What made you uh, pull the trigger for the razor? Like, were you, <laughs> I, all, I want one so bad. My buddy, uh, a couple years ago, took me to the Cliffs, which is a local off-road park. Um, it's in Marseilles, technically. He's showing you a picture. There's the, that's the cage. Um, it's just a good picture. That, that, yeah, that, that one's a good picture. That one's a good picture of the cage. So is this cage sturdier than the tr- the original cage? Oh, oh yeah. by a thousand percent. That's if a you, lot of percent. If, if you saw, that is a um, lot. if you saw saw a factory cage and uh, knew how thin that tubing is and how it's designed, you wouldn't yeah. want to sit in that and go hard in one of those machines they're taller aren't they yeah i made that cage a lot shorter than factory yeah um and i wanted it as low as possible it's actually pretty safe uh the the height is still safe it's not too low it's yeah, still, I've, I've still never got like my helmet in it technically they say you want three inches of clearance from your helmet to the cage and that's pretty much what i have yeah so it's just it's at that right height where you can take your helmet off and stick it on top of the tubes and still grab it while you're belted in and you're not yeah. sitting there like <laughs> just wait till the roof is on and you won't be able to do it anymore. I got a Salzal. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Man, but, I bet tearing up in that thing is fun. I've literally had it out every weekend since I bought it. It's well, been, not, it's been not since I bought it since I finished the cage. Sorry. It's been like our Sunday thing. Yeah. Well, except for last week. But yeah. that's different. But a lot yeah, of parts. Have you had late, to replace real any late parts? Sunday. What's that? Replacing any parts? Have I haven't replaced that? anything on it yet, but I only have uh, like 22 hours on the machine. So lower control arms are gonna be. Yeah, coming. they're custom high clearance is what I like to call them. So yeah. uh, <laughs> when you go over rocks and stuff, they tend to bend. Yeah, we. Yeah, there was a couple of spots where like da 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 da. Yeah, you're like, you stop. We literally stopped. Slam. TJ'd be like, I'm sorry. Pat it down. Like, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah you always you always hear me like, oh. <laughs> yeah, you're like, she can't talk, so I will. <laughs> Boom. So you learned a lot at it was called Red Wings or or what was it? It was Red. What? The first I wear shop, red the first farm shop? No, 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 no. Uh, R- Ryan Manufacturing. Ryan Manufacturing. That's it. Yeah. So wh- where do you go or after Ryan? There. <laughs> uh, Still kicking them. What are you saying? Where did you go to uh, after? N- yeah, next or what was what was the path there? So I spent two and a half years there. I really expanded my knowledge there. I learned a lot. I got really good at fabricating. Well, f- fairly good at fabricating. Um, Learned more TIG welding, learned more MIG welding, got like, you know, into more aluminum, more stainless, all that kind of stuff. I kind of, I got really well-rounded, was able to run all the machines there. Uh, We had a press break, which is like a big uh, 200-something ton uh, pound pressure machine that can bend 
material, like any kind of sheet metal up to a certain thickness. Um, so we did all that. Uh, there was a shear there, a um, little bit of CNC plasma cutting, all that kind of stuff. So I did a little bit of everything. Um, and after two and a half years, uh, me and my buddy Josh, we kind of were both like, we should both sign up for the Iron Workers Union. So uh, we both signed up, and I actually didn't get in initially. Josh got in initially because, you know, he had a way in. Is it a rigorous recruiting process? So with how you get into 393 specifically, which is the Aurora local for ironworkers in, in the Chicagoland area, um, you sign up. Usually there's only like 35 to 40 people that sign up every year. Uh, they sign up in March. And uh, you have to... Um, take a test pass the test then you do an interview and then based on your score on the test and they score you in the interview as well and it's not just like a one-on-one interview it's like you're it's sitting in you're sitting in front of the entire board for that local so it's like six guys all intimidating looking none of them talking besides one of them you know it's and you're just like sitting in a chair in front of all these guys and you're just like uh, <laughs> that's how my you know? interview with the IBEW was. It was like yeah. five guys from the board. I was the first person for that year to interview. I walk in, I sit down, and they're like, you know, well, you don't seem too nervous. And I'm like, well, you know, I figured I'm the first person, so it's either going to fake it or make it for everybody else. I don't know. You know it's the worst <laughs> that happens. Yeah, set, set the standard. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. You know, everybody else is wearing a suit. I show up in blue jeans and a button down. You know, I'm like, ooh, ooh, ooh. well, you know, we see how well that worked out for me. But, you know, sure. not about me. Continue. <laughs> but, uh, okay, so every year after they score everybody, um, they accept 10 guys or gals. Um, so with those 10 guys, they started in June or July. Um, and of those 10 guys, my friend Josh was in and usually out of the 10 guys, there's always somebody that either drops out because it's not for them or they get kicked out because they're just not a good worker or whatever. So I think three or four guys actually either got kicked out or dropped out. I know one guy for sure got kicked out. Um, and I guess I was number 13 or 14 on the list. So I got the call in August. Um, if I was still interested in joining the union and I was like, sure. (laughs) So, uh, went in and, you know, had to fill out all this stuff, had to do the orientation and then we got to take OSHA 10 and OSHA 30 and all this stuff. And, Finally started working uh, in September of 2018. What what was your assignment like? For my first job? Yeah, with them. So with the iron workers, it's kind of like you're freelancing, sort of. Uh, You're a mercenary. (laughs) Um, You have to go to a hall. We'll weld for money. 
<laughs> literally. Mercenary welder. Yeah, literally. So you have to go to the hall, sign a list, and uh, whatever your last date work, date of work is, you write it down on the list, and the oldest date gets picked first. So that's how they do the list. And uh, um, so my first job, I'm pretty sure, was actually a fence job. So I just had to uh, put up like a sidewalk fence at uh, the metro station in Aurora. It's the one that's right on the river. I know the one, yeah. Mm -hmm. So I did the fence there. Um, It's like right next to the tracks. Yeah, the fence out back there. Yep. So I did that. Um, I did uh, one other job with them maybe. Oh, I had to put up all the ballards there, too. So all those yellow ballards I put up as well. So these are, like, independent? Like, it was just you who did that fence? No, no. Um, so basically, we're, we were just installing the fence, too. We, were, we didn't build it. Like, we just installed the panels. Um, so usually, every time you go out, there's at least one foreman. Well, there is one foreman, sorry. Um, it could just be you. Or it could be a couple guys. Um, just depends on what the job is. If it's like you're going to erect a building, it's like a minimum of five guys. Yeah. So um, because you need a foreman, you need two guys connecting, and then two guys on the ground um, hooking up. So, um, But, yeah, that was my first job. Um, now with 393... You do a little bit of everything. So uh, with iron workers, you could do anything from structural steel to uh, architectural ornamental stuff like uh, fancy railings or just regular railings, stairs. What was your favorite of all those? Honestly. <laughs> Lang rebar. Well, <laughs> yes and no. Um, I honestly... Rebar is a huge part of ironworking. Huge. Honestly, the two biggest things of ironworking is structural steel and rebar. That's like the two main things. Um, I did enjoy structural steel a lot because, you know, you're climbing around all the time. You're up high. You know, it's the heights. I used to kind of be afraid of heights, but once I started doing that, it's kind of like an adrenaline rush. You know, it's real fun. Um, you that know. keeps you up in the morning. Yeah. yeah. What was the highest you had to climb to weld? Uh, the highest I've ever been to weld was probably like forty some feet. Nice. There's not a lot of very tall buildings around here. No. Um, the highest I've been ironworking was actually doing rebar. <laughs> surprisingly, um, it was on the fifth story of a uh, Northwestern University building. Um, and what, what, I forget what town it is. It's kind of over by Hinsdale. That's cool. Um, but. Do you like being in the field more or at a shop more? Definitely in the field. hundred percent in the field. Why is I that? I hate being in a shop. It sucks. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, you know, you're not moving around a lot. Um, when you're out installing stuff. It's a lot faster pace, you know, you're a lot more active. At the end of the day, you feel good. You, you feel know? accomplished. 
Yeah. You know, it's like, and that was the thing about rebar. You know, it's rewarding. It's hard work, for sure. You sweat your ass off, I bet. Sweat your ass off. You're busting your ass. You know, it's hard on your body. Mm. Hard on your hands, you know. You're are the machines do they vibrate up. or is it like no? No, do you, you know what rebar is okay? I know so, what rebar is, yes, yes. yeah. So when we don't say, do the concrete, right? No, they because iron workers lay the steel, yeah, and then cement masons come in and pour, yeah, and then finishers come in and actually trowel it and yeah. make it purdy, yeah. And they all they do all that at once, <laughs> wow. Um, so we come in. Um, the hole's already dug, whatever, or whatever it may be, footing, whatever. So um, we lay in our rebar. There's, like, standees. Get it up off the, the bottom of the hole so that concrete will be underneath it. Yeah. So it actually fully encases the rebar. <laughs> Sorry. Um, so, but, yeah, so... With rebar, it's a lot of like carrying a lot of steel around all day long, especially when you're the apprentice. You're constantly carrying steel all day long. What's the light like? What's that, what's the weights? The average weights you're carrying? It could, you can have, you could have anywhere from like fifty pounds to like two hundred yeah, plus it, 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 well, on then, your shoulder. You know, you get two foot of or we'll say we'll use five feet, right? So if you have five feet of number three bar, and then five feet of number ten bar. Number 10 bar takes two of us to carry it. Yeah, so with James over there, he knows a lot about rebar, probably more than I do, surprisingly. Um, but that's mostly because he worked <laughs> I've hauled for... a lot of he it. He handled a lot of it. Yeah, he had to deal <laughs> with it. I hauled a lot of it. Yeah, it's CCS. So, like, but... rebar, just to why this will make sense, right, my analogy here. The number of rebar is the number over an eighth. Yep, yep. So three-eighths would be number three. Ten eighths would be number ten rebar. Sure. So that's As you get up to like number fourteens. That's some real, yeah, real 14s, thick, real heavy. And I have put in number fourteens before. Yeah, I've hauled. That's like bridge work. Yeah, so. I've only hauled yeah. maybe half. You know, and half a load is still ten thousand, almost twelve thousand pounds. But you know, fourteen eighths. You know, that's some big bar. Yeah, it's, it's like girthy. it's literally like this big around. Holy cow! Yeah, dude. and it is that. That's why I said you know it's it's uh it's just such a variance, you know. And then of course if you start talking, you know, all right, grade sixty, a seven oh six, epoxy, epoxy bar, epoxy bar those. is a uh, coated rebar. That's so what you see when you're driving down bar, the interstate. There's black bar, which is uncoated raw. So it, you, that's like the stuff you see. It's all rusty and black, whatever. Yeah, that's you, what they put in like it, home foundations. It, you know, it's real dirty, whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so that's like the typical rebar. So uh, <coughs> with epoxy, it's just coated. Yeah, that's it's like when, usually green. When you're driving down the interstate and you see them pouring and you see all the the big oh, huge yeah. bundles of just green. You that's know, I dot. Yeah, that's for you. Well, yeah, and then that's any anything that is a state approved job has to be epoxy rebar. Yeah, pretty much. Doesn't matter. Literally, when they're putting in even parking stops, but it's at a state facility, mm-hmm. it's epoxy. What is, yep. what is epoxy? I thought epoxy so was a plastic. They they coat it. They in, just call it epoxy. It's because actually powder it's, coat. 
yeah, it's just like real. Th it's a thick coating yeah. that keeps it from rusting. That's all. Yeah. So basically, once oh, okay. it gets, you know, they come in, set it in the dirt, and then the masons come and pour over the top of it. Rebar after, we'll say eighty years is actually pretty realistic. Will actually start to rust because there is water in cement. You you cannot get all of it out. Yeah. If you dry up cement, it'll just pop and blow up. Mm -hmm. But uh, so the epoxy is basically just to ensure that it doesn't rust beneath. Yeah. So, but the only problem with that is, is when you know, well, we ordered ten foot, but we needed nine foot six. Then they cut the end off of it and expose the steel anyway. And yeah, it they're matter. supposed to like coat, recoat re it. it. But yeah, from a welder's perspective, don't. is there a lot of work that will need to be done in the city? Welding wise, in like eighty, a hundred years, there will always be work. There will always be work in Chicago. There, always. And honestly, as the years go on, more and more metal is being used. So even in like um, construction, like regular construction now, they're starting to use more steel stud um, for everything instead of wood studs. Yeah. And that's a lot, you know, What's a lot to do with like fireproofing too. Yeah. But it's cheap and, you know, it, it goes up fast. Is metal cheaper than lumber right now? I Wholesale-wise? I have no so, idea. I'll, all here's I know the is... deal. Here's the deal. Beginning, I know we've had at, a shit show with wood and lumber. Yeah. Here's an example, because I, I know for sure what metal prices are like from last year to this year. For an example, um, five by eight sheet of quarter inch steel last year. 250 bucks. That's cheap. This year, it's almost $700. Oh, my yeah. gosh. It's before I left CCS, if you could get a bunk of lumber, it was, you know, it, it was just asinine. I mean. I was seeing right now for two by fours, it's about $9 a pop. Yeah. For two yeah. by fours. Yeah. Yeah, uh, we had to buy some two by twelves the other day because I had to uh, built this like rack system to carry one of the projects I built uh, to the powder coater, and uh, I think three lengths. So this is like twelve foot lengths of two by twelve was one hundred and thirty bucks. Three of them. Yeah, that's insane. Yeah, the price of homes has just skyrocketed. Mm. Yep. They said it's like another thirty five thousand on top of, like, Just if you were material. to build two homes last year and today, it's like almost another thirty five to forty grand. It's, it's on honestly top of. pretty scary because you you don't know where this is gonna lead. Yes. Yeah, oh yeah, it's all over. But um, nobody knows. At least like for me in my position and my job and what we do. Are you um, still with? You're not with the union I, I'm anymore. I'm not union now. I left. So you left Aurora. You were there. You were I how was many there years for there? About a year and a half, almost okay. two years. So uh, it, uh, it was about a year and a half. Um, so the reason I left, I I absolutely loved it. Um, I wish I could go back. I wish there was more work. So I left because um, there just wasn't enough work for me. You know, I made, and I, I don't like to talk about, you know, how much money you make, especially, you know, publicly. But uh, for an example, a union position where I made 30 bucks an hour plus another $30 in benefits, 
I only made $26,000 in one year, mm. which is literally nothing Bye. for what I was doing. And uh, I'm not one for signing up for unemployment. So I just, you know, I got a job opportunity uh, to do something more like that I wanted to do because in all reality, in my dreams, I kind of wanted to have my own welding shop mm -hmm. doing all different kinds of, you know, fancy stuff. Still so working towards that? That I, you know, talking to my boss, he um, he kind of uh, somewhat talked me into it. But just how we discussed things um, and how I kind of saw the business, it, it kind of felt like I could have been or I could be a um, major player in, the, in his business. Like oh. I'd pretty much pretty much escalated to the lead shop guy immediately. Um, and, you know, in a way I kind of saw maybe in however many years time I could invest myself in the business and be a, a, a co-owner. Sure. But, um, but yeah, it was basically like a easy, easy street to my dream instead of going through however many years it would have taken to acquire all the equipment uh you could just hop on with that's this a guy really that's fortunate situation yeah because it's actually funny because uh my boss kind of followed the same footsteps that i did he started welding when he was 16 he actually started because he injured himself he was just bored he wanted something to do so he started welding <laughs> <laughs> uh and then he got an internship through high school and then started his own business after seven years of working for that guy and uh he's been doing this company which is mdo um architectural metalwork is what the company name is um he, he's been doing it for like 10 years now and he's only uh 33 i think how's your time been there um this month Shoot, in probably like six days, it'll be a year since I started in there. Wow. So. How has that been? It's been interesting. Ups and downs, crazy. Yeah, I mean, you've you know, with every job. really cool projects there, just from what you've sent me pictures of. Yeah, so. What, yeah, what do you got going on? So, you know, I was at a certain point when I left Ryan Manufacturing for my, <coughs> you know, skill for metal work. Um, I didn't really hone that skill in the union because you didn't really do a whole lot of welding there um you do like welding shop stuff and i had to get like stick <coughs> welding certs but in any other shop or anything you're not going to be using stick welding it's more just for installing and doing stuff outside you know if you're welding outside you're normally going to be stick welding um but you know working in a shop i don't have to do it um so I was at a certain point, and ever since I started with MDO, it's definitely been like ever, like, like I'm always getting better every day. Like I'm always improving, and you never stop learning. Like no, well, and that's, you never stop learning, especially in metalwork. It's yeah, there's always endless. something you can work on. And Always. like I keep saying endless, literally metalworking is, metal is, it is endless. Is it ever like you come into crazy challenges? You're like, how am I going to get around uh, this? There's always situations where in that, I mean, that's what's like any job, you know, you, 
you get stuck in a situation where you're like, okay, what do I need to do? <laughs> and it's just like, you know, you just got to figure it out. And that's another thing too is, you know, I've been doing metal work, not necessarily always welding, not necessarily always fabricating, but doing stuff with metal for seven years. And that was part of the thing that really I learned in the union was like problem solving and stuff like that. And especially when I was working by myself at Ryan Manufacturing, when I would have my own projects doing stuff on my own, it's a lot of problem solving. Like, okay, how do I need to do this? Or how do I need to make this? How can I take a blueprint and make it reality? Um, and <laughs> literally all of the years of all of the stuff I've done in my whole life is kind of just combined into this job now because I'm doing architectural work and this is like ultra high quality stuff for people who have really deep pockets. It's a high profile work. Yeah. So that, uh, that pool ladder thing that you, you did last year. Uh, the pool railing? Yeah, like that thing. That was a uh, yeah, what was really it? weird shaped pool railing made out of stainless. And it's like... It was freaking uh, gorgeous is what it was. I put a how, lot how of work How many hours? Yeah. Probably in total, probably 350 hours. Yeah. Amongst uh, not Whoa. just me, though. That's <coughs> including a couple other people. I put the most hours into it, though. I honestly, I probably yeah. did. I mean, it was, um, it was, it was literally a usable sculpture, and that's what it's supposed to be. Yeah, and that's why it, it was. I know some again. Yeah, that was the mission. Yeah, yeah. Done. So, literally, there was no, it was gorgeous. Probably over a football field of welding on each railing. No TIG way. Welding, TIG welding, stainless. Yep, and they came out straight without having to make them straight. (laughs) That's just, you know, and that's one of the things you learn. It's just like, okay, this is, with stainless, it warps really easily just because, um, just kind of the... Composition of the steel. Yeah, just the way it is. It just, it it heats up. It transfers heat almost like aluminum. To where it's, you got not work fast, but you can't dump a ton you don't, of heat in. You don't it. put a whole lot of heat into it because it'll warp fast. Yeah. So I'm welding over a football field on this thing. So you really got to think about how you weld it. And um, so basically these railings were put together and they're like eighth inch stainless. And they're two sheets uh, the side profiles, and then it's a strip that's all the way around, so it makes it look like it's two inches thick. Um, so basically I had to weld every single seam that I had to do with that, and then there was like a thumb recess, so we actually had to roll a uh, stainless tube and then slice it in half and then put it in so that... And then weld that in, too. And... Uh, put little end pieces so that it like was real nice transition out so you literally you can put your fingers and your thumb in there and it's super smooth all the way through and it's a whole lot of welding 
And this is something Did you guys install like, as well? Yeah, we installed it. But that was a real simple install. It, okay. You know, we, we just had to land on whatever was there already. So yeah. we just made it to that. Um, I actually yeah, won a silver medal for that. Um, Do you guys enter it into a competition or something? Yeah, so every year, uh, NOMA, which is the National Ornamental uh, and Miscellaneous Metal Association, maybe. Look that up real quick for me. NOMA? NOMA. So N-O-M-M-A, yeah. Um, So every year, Matt, my boss, enters in um, projects that we've done over the past year. And uh, we actually won three awards this year. We have a total of 11 you guys now, are plus a Mitch Heitler award, which it's, is like uh, the most prestigious award you can get is a Mitch so Heitler you're doing award. high, high-level welding work and, and metal work and yeah. fabrication. Well, yeah. like I said, that the only reason I can remember that pool rail or that uh, rail is just because it was so... It's actually in Sugar Grove. Is it really? No mm-hmm. kidding. It was, I just remember him sending me pictures as it went along, and it was like... What does that cost oh. a client, a project like that? So we didn't make any money on that, really. You guys broke even? <laughs> what, you, you cannot, free? What, like, if, what? So we do this a lot, honestly. We create top jobs for ourselves sometimes. Um, we, we, we broke even, probably. Um, I don't think we made a ton of money on it. Because sure. you can only charge so much for some freaking pool rails. Right. You know? <laughs> we just, we have such a drive to make things. It's about the art. The best that they can be mm. that it doesn't matter how long it takes. We're going to do it, you know. That's kind of like what me and Matt both think in our heads, you know. like That's how you run the shop. It doesn't matter how long it takes. <laughs> it's going to be done right, you know. And uh, honestly, if we were to do those railings again, we wouldn't. It would have taken us like a day to make them, because we would have just got solid aluminum, probably, or stainless, and cut it out out of the water jet, <laughs> and then just spent whatever remainder of the time sanding and polishing. And finishing. Yeah, because that's that's honestly what took them probably the most time. Uh, welding took definitely a long time because, like I said, it's like at least a football field of welding uh, per rail, and there was four. Um, and I did most of the welding. <laughs> and now, for a project like this, the welds have to be like especially good. Like I'm assuming when honestly, you're out in the field, well, like honestly, you, you, you don't have to down, be. Honestly, you don't have to be the best welder in the world to do what I do at my shop. What do you have to be better Most at? Most of the time, honestly, it's like finishing, making sure that stuff's fit right in a straight, square, all that kind of stuff. Um, finishing is a huge part of what, you know, it's it's the whole reason uh, stuff looks good when it leaves the shop, you know. Yeah. You could, stuff could look like crap, and then you could go to finish it, spend however much time you know grinding sanding polishing whatever and then uh it looks completely different so um but yeah like with those pool rails which is honestly a real good example of that of what i do taking you know flat sheet stainless cutting the shapes out welding them all together 
doesn't matter what the wilds look like as long as they have the profile that they need sanding everything down so that you don't see any weld at all it looks completely solid and then uh, spending all that time DAing, which is like sanding with the uh, a thing that goes all different directions. It's like yeah, DA dual action. So yes, yeah, so. you, you ever seen a KitchenAid mixer? Yeah, basically exactly that, but with a sandpaper pad on the bottom of it. So it, yeah. it makes like an oblong. Yes. Yeah, so yeah, it doesn't like when you sand something. It doesn't just you know make a circle. Yeah, which you don't want. <laughs> yeah, it it sands it in all different directions so that it's nice and like even textured. Because yeah. so, if you just did like something that rotated in a circle, you'd make grooves all over the place. Sure. So NOMO is uh, National Ornamental and Miscellaneous Metals Association. So I was almost that full right out of uh, good old Texas is where they're based out of. Yes, sir. Yeah, so that's a whole that's that's national, so that's the entire country, plus sometimes uh, guys from overseas, like from France and stuff, because there's some pretty, there's some freaking maniacs that are <laughs> really? overseas for with uh, or architectural metalwork. Oh yeah, people that have learned stuff from hundreds of years ago that have just been passed along, you know, like because forging's been around forever for, for thousands of years. Yeah, so. Wow, that's so cool. What what would you say is the biggest um the biggest thing you've learned from your profession and career? Like the biggest life Patience. lesson or takeaway. <laughs> well, let me let me think about it for a sec. Um I mean, that's the one thing I learned driving truck was never be in a hurry and you will just it will drill patience into you mm-hmm. whether you like it or not that, and that's just like the one like if you're looking for like an interpersonal thing i learned you know i learned how to drive a truck i learned that i learned how to throw tons of steel off the side of it but interpersonally definitely taught patience especially with tig welding you got to be very very patient that's the one one big thing i took away from ivic was never be in a hurry in my second year, I had a different instructor. Mr. Hipple bowed out, and I had a different instructor, and he that was... Guy sucked. Yeah. Oh, boy. Oh, sorry. Oh, my, <laughs> my ear. Uh, <laughs> my ear. Is that through the computer, too? Yes. Yeah. Oh. oh, that was so loud. My ears are bleeding. <laughs> Shout out to Jake Dufresne for giving us a call. Uh, oh, Jake Jonathan. <laughs> oh, it was Jonathan Dufresne, eh? Yes, it was. Uh, yeah. He's something, ain't he? But yeah, no, it, it, I just had, just finishing my thought was, my second year had a different instructor, and he was the opposite of patient. It was always, hurry, 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 hurry. Why isn't that done yet? Why isn't that done yet? Hurry, 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 hurry. That guy hurry. wasn't even a good welder. I don't know why he taught. I can't, the one thing, you know, I will always give people credit where credit is due, he was amazing with sheet metal. I hate sheet metal. Always have. I, I hate sheet metal. But that in and of itself is an art form. Like oh, forming exactly. sheet metal. Yeah, you know, sitting there with a planishing hammer and an English wheel and you're sitting there sweating, you know, in a shrink you know, planishing yeah. hammer, a shrinker stretcher, and an English wheel, 
and or a bead roller even and i mean that's just an art form but for sure did you did you ever come up with something that was like uh the biggest takeaway you've gotten from the career honestly there really isn't like it really just comes down to like ethics Mm. and that's not something you learn in a career it's something you're taught kind of more as you grow up just through life yeah and uh i can thank my father for that for always making sure that you know doesn't matter what you're doing just you know do it right yeah and uh i'd say with metalwork he kind of hit it on the head with patience um take your time do it right the first time you know, if you don't do it right the first time, fix it. You can fail, but you can also fix it. That's the beauty of metalwork. You know, it's not like it's woodwork where you have to, you know, measure twice, cut once. Oh, fuck. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. Wrong, <laughs> wrong length. Yeah. Throw it out. <laughs> yeah. I no, you can our literally. First day, Mr. Hipple telling us that. Yeah. He's like, that's the one. He's like, I will build anything out of steel. He goes, you know why? Because if I cut it a half inch short, I can put it back on. Yeah. He'll just sit there and. He's like, you cut a two by four half inch short. He's like, you either better have some long ass deck nails or (laughs) another two by four. Yeah. And I've honestly been doing a little bit of woodwork lately and I don't mind it. But that's more of my dad's thing. Branching outside of your. Or the the brute force. It's more just building stuff. Okay. Do you remember yeah. that one? It all started when I was a little kid <laughs> and I was building with Legos. Um, <laughs> uh, you your tattoo's pretty sick. Let's talk about that. Where'd you get that thing at? So the deal with this is uh, it's actually a metalworking sleeve. Um, it's cool. Is it tradition or something? that? It, no, no. I mean, it's Greek gods. Um, <coughs> Hephaestus is on my forearm and uh he's the greek god of metalworking so he's That's chilling right bad there he's, he's forging a sword and uh yeah, he's got the hammer right there have you done any metalworking f- or forging for weapons of any type <laughs> no <or>? yeah <laughs> that's the one thing that we do not do <laughs> yeah <laughs> definitely like if someone asks us to do it we're like no <laughs> is there certain shops that do just do but that zeus is up on my uh, upper arm here but um zeus you know, so, and I, I know forged in fire made that uh really fun for you guys because i'm sure you had everybody and their inbred cousin you guys make knives every time someone hears that we forge anything it's the first thing they ask oh do you guys make knives <laughs> or do you guys watch forged in fire and we're like <sighs> what are some other practical or cool things that come out of forges that you can do that aren't weapons or like tools any like really fancy old school like wrought iron is a big thing. railings um like literally you can make almost any shape with forge you know it's it's your mind is your limit pretty much so you can think of anything you can and my boss will tell you a good exercise is to take a uh, piece of bar stock and smash it and make it into a sphere then make it into a you know a cube 
and then draw it back out and make it into like a tapered, you know, long piece. And then you can, you know, you can make it into anything you can think of. And you could just, you could take one chunk and make it into five different things. Like it's nuts what you can do. It's, it's literally just like once you heat it up, it's like forming with clay, you know? I mean, it's not that easy. Obviously right. you have to use a power hammer, but you know, the power hammer is like your hand, you know, you just like squish it into whatever you want. And, and the like, what are some dream was, projects you've worked on or that you have in your head of things that you're like, I need to make this, or I've thought about making this and it's outside of just what you're doing for your job. Stuff I want to make. Yeah. Um, I mean, as I get more into, uh, architectural stuff, forge lower control arms. No, <laughs> <laughs> Um, there's like certain architectural stuff I want to do. I want to like, now that I'm more into like the Noma stuff and getting awards and shit, I kind of want to, there's like, we're, we're chronic, we're kind of creating a top job again. And when we say creating a top job, it means something that we're going to enter into the Norma, the Noma, uh, award stuff. So there's this gate that we're going to do and. You know, I was thinking of like stuff that we can do for the posts on it or whatever. And it's just like, as you get more into it, the more ideas you can get. And, you know, with me having a creative mind, it's kind of being more open to things because you see so more cool. stuff and you like go on Pinterest or go on Instagram or whatever and just look up like forged gates or forged railings and you just see all these like insane scroll work and all these really cool shapes and all this stuff and it's just like once you really get into it and know that you can do all of this stuff like when you figure out how to do all this stuff yeah, and you also have like a water jet at your disposal you got you, you got a forge you got all this stuff in the shop it's like we can do this why don't we just do it <laughs> you know so literally it's, like, it's so i love how custom your your job now sounds really cool it's but it, it sounds like you needed those stepping stones yes for it to get there definitely yeah. i would have not been ready for the job sure. had i not gone through what i've gone through wow um and it's just you know it's will you ever do will you ever do a lot of architectural work on like the house that you build that's your home oh i'm sure yeah 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 i'm sure I might even do railings on the house that I'm at now because uh, all the wood railings on our front porch are all warped. Like, they warped right away. So we might do some aluminum railings for it'll that. Last some longer, simple right? stuff. Yeah. I love your it'll last, front porch. So it'll they have, forever. like, the stereotypical, like, you pull into the... Cause they've got we like, have a raised ranch. Yeah. Nice. It's such a, a cool-looking house. And, like, you pull in, it's like... You, you know, I don't want to say a stereotypical white picket fence, but it, in an essence, it almost is. Because you're like out in the country a little bit. You know, they got neighbors, but they're not super close by. We all have like acre and a half lots. Yes. Yeah. And um, then it's like, yeah. it's right by uh, Larson Tree Farm. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Yeah. Right off of Samanac Road. So it's like you'd be going up there. It's like you go in there and you're like, oh, there's TJ's house. Because you can always find TJ's truck. Yeah, I always have a truck I think that's I very I saw you noticeable. pulled in. It was like a white Ford, yeah. huge truck. 
It's not huge, but yeah. It looked big from over here. But the black truck was huge. It. Yeah, that was a big lifted truck. <laughs> That's a nice truck, though. Yeah. What made you go with Ford instead of I've the Dodgers? I've had them all, dude. Yeah. He's literally had, like, for a certain time, we called it Mr. First Gen. I what is anyway. your thoughts on Cummings? There's no G at the end. Yeah. That's Cummings. my first thought. <laughs> are you one of those guys? Do you Are you, like, obsessed with them, or are you not, or... <laughs> I've had them all, so I don't really have a preference. Yeah, he had a black um, twin to mine at one point. Yeah, um, so I've had two first-gen Cummins. Uh, one was a 90, one was a 92. So those were both 12-valves. Uh, you can't go wrong with a 12-valve. They're indestructible. and uh, They really are. You, you got to give them that. You know, They might leak like a son of a bitch, but so will a 7.3. Uh, I had a 7.3. I had an auto, though. I didn't have a manual. Yep. Kind of wish I had a manual. Um, it's fun. I had a second-gen Cummins, which is a... Uh, it's when they started going round body. The first gens were square bodies. Um, and that was a 2,000.5 or 2,001.5. Yeah. It was a six-speed 24-valve. It was so it was so uh, much fun. <laughs> VP forty four injection pump, you know, whatever. It had a bunch of stuff on it, big injectors, big turbo, nice. stack it was tunes. Fun. Yeah, yeah, you did that thing off. Smoked <laughs> like a freight train or cold train. Or I drove it to DeKalb for Cheyenne's graduation and uh yeah, we left out of there because I brought Louie with me. And I left out of that place, and we turned out of NIU and got on, I think it was Annie Glidden. And I'm like, oh, you know, going under the bridge there. I'm like, down to fourth. Just walk. Just, you couldn't see. She it really winds up in fourth. Yeah, you couldn't even see. Like, I looked in the mirrors as we shot out from under the bridge, the viaduct. Look in the mirror. You couldn't even tell there was a viaduct. Just, Just darkness. Yeah. yeah. It was so that much thing fun. smoked so so bad, but uh, uh, it was funny because <laughs> Josh apologizing out the oh window to people. Oh my god! <laughs> so hilarious. So we were driving back from Naperville because we always go to Lyle. Chris uh, has been there. I took Chris there the other day, <laughs> and Chris can say that Lyle burritos are no burritos. Oh yeah. man, they were some good burritos. The best burritos. Hell yes. <laughs> The best burritos the best. around. Do you, do you remember Hammy two-fisting them? Oh, we talk about this almost every time we go to Lyle now, how Hammy ate two burritos <laughs> and tacos. Like, That's the guy I was telling you about. I, I forgot insane. about the taco part. He literally two-fisted the... unhinges John keep and going. You, so you've I don't seen how big the burritos are. know how he are. could consume <laughs> that much. Those burritos, for those listening, are maybe a foot long. They're literally like the size of I'd say like a youth foot football, and like yeah. they're literally they're a football. Like, they're literally a football. That is the most accurate. No, it's size. like a, a youth like, football. I'm not kidding. Chad, yeah. it's like this big. <laughs> yeah. Like you know, for the camera. It's yeah. It's like a, now it's picture you know this dude that's like I don't know what six five. Hammy's yeah. a big dude. He's the only person that's gotten in my white truck, which you've been in, and it felt like a Mini Cooper. Wow. Like he just, and like, you know, most people are like, hey, and they jump in it. You know, Hammy just, just steps in it. <laughs> yeah, he's huge. So now picture. He's really tall wow. and he's Is he a bodybuilder? <laughs> huh? He lost a lot of weight though. No. 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 He's, he's gained it back, I'm pretty sure. No. Yeah. 
Pay me for he goes on a I'm diet. Sorry. He goes on a diet, and then he uh, yeah. loses the Speaking diet. Speaking of diets, you've seen Devin? Yeah, I know. Devin dropped like 60 pounds doing that keto thing. Hell yeah. Like, hell yeah. He's like, I've heard a lot of people have yeah. really good, uh, good results with, with keto diets. Yeah, Devin's like, I hit 404, and I'm like, fuck that. <laughs> I'm like, wow. I don't blame you, buddy. But Yeah, but good for him. He's doing good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's doing a great job. Back to Hammy, literally. Two fisting burritos, and then it was something. It was like four tacos too, wasn't it? I don't know. I wasn't there for it. I just That's hear about insanity. it all the time. Yeah, big bowl. Yeah. Well, there, there was I no think... alcohol consumed in this either. You know, it was just, oh yeah, for sure. Just raw power. No, definitely there was alcohol. Oh no, do you have any idea? Like the maiden voyage of my explorer, I've got like thirteen hundred pounds of people in the damn thing. Everybody's shit house. <laughs> Let's go to Lyle, boys, and get some burritos. It's like two thirty in the morning. Hell yeah! That place, like, before <laughs> Are they open all night. Pre-COVID, three. Yeah, pre-COVID, that place was literally only closed for like three hours a day. Yep. Because they would reopen at nine a.m. Now they close at uh, twelve thirty during the week. Okay. They They're, were open until two during the week before. Yeah, it is. Yeah, the best burritos the best. ever. I'll have to check it, was it out. Was definitely worth every can, single drive out. Yeah, we can definitely do a, like a, a Lyle run one of these. Should days. do it right Great. now. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I don't have to be at work until seven. <laughs> Honestly, I would do it. I didn't eat much of a dinner, so. But uh, totally I wanted don't. to ask too. What is what is the next ten years of your life look like in your head? Have you thought about Honestly, that? Honestly, man, I have no idea because. Yeah. Um, as much as I do love welding and fabrication, I might step away from it for a little bit because mm-hmm. it's all I've ever really done, you know. You want to try Obviously, I did, like, ironworking and stuff, and I would love to get back into that, and I've really thought about getting back into it because you just can't beat the money and the benefits, you know. That's the thing about the union, and uh, I'll talk a little bit about, you know, the benefits of being non-union and the benefits of being union because sure. people, you know, sometimes question it. As far as like the the, the Chicago land area, union is kind of the way to go for trades. I mean, you really can't beat it. It really is. You're basically getting like a hundred bucks an hour, and yeah, it's not pay and your benefit. Yeah, package. half of it's half of it's take home, and then the other half is benefits, and you can't beat the benefits. Mm-hmm. You're getting money thrown into your uh, retirement right away, almost, and you get uh, medical. You get. Uh, Sometimes you get vacation depending on what uh, union you're in. Um, all all different kinds of stuff, and uh, you really just can't beat it um, right. for the money. No, non-union. You know, it, the pay really isn't there. Um, it definitely doesn't compare. You know, I'm making probably a quarter of what I was making in total, like total package. Sure. Um, I don't really have benefits right now. And, you know, my boss isn't in the position to start doing that yet. And I have three more years anyways, 23. So I'm still on my dad's insurance. So I don't really have to worry about it too much. But uh, I am starting to worry about it because I need to be in a position where I have it by then. Um, But the union... You know, it's great because they're there to protect you in a way. Um, they're there to fight for your rights in a way. Um, 
sometimes the union can really get in the way, uh, especially for small business. Mm. Um, they the unions destroy small business. Um, so really, like companies like D five D five is one of the non union iron working companies. Every time they're in the area for 393's jurisdiction, uh, there's always a rat up, and uh, they try to shut them down all the time. And wow, it just you know it's everybody's trying to make money. You know, everybody's in a different situation. I don't really feel like unions should be, you know, going after all the non-union companies because yeah. there's plenty of money in union, and there's plenty of work to go around. Um, but, you know, and if I need to go install a railing in Chicago and say I'm at a commercial building and a union rep comes down the road and he's like, what the hell are you doing? Because he sees that I'm not union, you know, BA will come out and then, you know, you just get all these people just getting in all of this big fuss. And it's just like, it's pointless, dude. Just let me install my the railing The amount of time you all just home. wasted. I would have already been in and yeah. out. And it's all just to get one of their guys a paycheck, you know? And it's whatever. I mean, I've been in that situation where I get a one day's pay because somebody got caught. No kidding. Yeah. So, for example, uh, the one I remember most was uh, Hurley, which is a company. Uh, they do a lot of uh, rebar. And they were caught unloading a truck without an iron worker there because when there's rebar to be unloaded, and he knows, I've there's waited supposed to be an hours. iron worker there to unload. And when nobody's there, they'll just unload themselves. And uh, if a BA happens to be driving by or anyone from the union, you know, calls somebody up and is like, hey, there's people unloading this truck and there is no iron worker here so they got caught and uh, i happened to be on the list so i ended up getting one day's pay it's a hundred and something dollars for you know 180 or 200 bucks to do literally nothing but file some paperwork yeah and he ain't kidding like especially it's not too bad outside of chicago but in chicago there's been times local where, one yeah or assholes <clears throat> you know I've been downtown twenty four thousand pounds on the bed and you know so first thing you got to wait to even get an opening with the tower yeah so that can take anywhere from two minutes to I've sat in my cab for six and a half hours waiting for an appointment with the tower crane and then you have to hope that the ironwork you know you have to have a laborer there to throw the chains around and to talk to the crane operator because they have to have a caller. And then you have to have an iron worker present, whether he's helping or literally just present. Mm -hmm. So if you don't have any of, and then never mind the operator for the crane. So if you don't have all three of those perfect links, I mean, I've sat on job sites for eight hours just sitting there, left the barn at 6 a.m., showed up at 6.45 and pulled out of there. You know, literally park the truck, take the keys with me, go get lunch, come back, get back in my truck, and sit there all day. There's been also times, too, where it's been like, we don't have an iron worker. Your truck dump? Yep. Dump it. Really? Yep. 
Yep. 24,000 pallets wrapped up the whole nine. Yep, don't care. If they don't want to be here, they can pick up the mess then. Yep. Wow. 24. We did two trucks one day, back to back. So it was like 48,000 pounds of freaking steel. 30 foot, 20 foot, fabricated, so bent like the standees he was talking. Hairpins, staples. <coughs> yeah, literally just right off the back of the truck. Whole nine. Yep. Iron workers don't want to be here today. Cool. Back in there and dump it. Really? Sign here first. <laughs> and it sounds like a car accident when it comes off the bed. Oh, yeah. Really? Especially with the pallets because they crash on top of each other on the way down. Long bar is easy. You put the bed up maybe about three quarters. You start driving away. <laughs> go in reverse. <laughs> drive. And just and it just, just comes right off, off the bed. No big deal. Yep. Or yeah. you get really good at it. You'll pull forward a little bit and stop. Set the brakes. Hop out of the truck. Grab the lumber. Toss it under there because that way you have, nobody's bitching about not being able to get forks under it. And you just keep pulling forward. And it, yeah. Or, you know, at least you had a dump. A lot of guys don't have yeah. dumps and they have to unload by hand. I've done that too. There was back to that. I mean, you talked about that job I had in Chicago last summer. Where it, we had to load two tons on each side, or three tons on each side, and you'd back all the way down the alleyway, climb, you know, you get the door open enough to crawl out of it, onto the bed, grab your five five foot pinch point bar, bar off your three tons on one side, and then you either had to scoot the other three all the way across, or you pull the truck out, turn it around, which is a, you know, a one-way street in Chicago, and then pull it down the alleyway, Bar the three tons off and then back back out of the alleyway because you couldn't put the bed up because there's power lines right there. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh, that sounds intense. But yeah, so it's a lot of like bullshit with the union they have to deal with. There's a lot of dumb rules and sure. all that stuff. But. Yeah, there's definitely sounds like there's there's uh, clearly pros and cons to both sides of it. Definitely, definitely. Um, it really just comes down to money. Really, um, I mean, there's a lot of benefits to small business too, and uh, you know, being able to take off work or hey, I'm coming in late, <laughs> you know, stuff yeah. like that. It was me and Tony this morning. Uh, I called him, like, I will go up late. He's like, Yeah, me too, bro. Fuck it. Literally, <laughs> literally, me and my boss, it's like I have a key to the shop now, so it's like. It's like, hey, I didn't sleep a lot last night. This is what he'll, this is what he'll text me and be like, hey, I didn't get much sleep. I'm gonna get some. I'll I'll be in later or I'll be in shortly or whatever. And like, all right, whatever. We start at six at, in West Chicago. Nice. Real early. Have to wake hey, up at early? five. <laughs> yep. Um, I'm getting up about six every day now. Yeah. Yeah. yeah okay. <laughs> Do about six sometimes. Honestly, six as you get older, it's like you feel like you're just wasting your day if you don't get up that early. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's like when you text me, you'll call me at eight thirty in the morning on a Sunday. You want to go to the cliffs? And I'm like, I probably should roll my lazy ass out of bed. <laughs> All right, let's go. Yeah, and then we <laughs> just waste our whole day, you know, getting muddy. Well, we would have been fine the last go around, but somebody had to prove a point. <laughs> what? <laughs> We can make it through there. Bloosh. 
I had stripes on my shirt from where the harness was. The whole rest of me was just mud. It's all right. I got muddy uh, last Sunday because I got stuck for a second time. I've only been stuck twice. Been out four or five times now. Yeah. Only been stuck twice now. Remember. I went through probably the hardest trail. Mm -hmm. Got like through the first little bit and bottomed out because I was going slow. Yeah. You just got to blast through it sometimes. Sure. I'm glad I didn't get to the real hard part because that wasn't even the hardest part of the trail. <laughs> got stuck. We were there for probably like 25 minutes. And then I just started, like, I just got real tired of it. It was the end of the day. Like, it was time to leave. Like, the park was going to close. <laughs> the, this always freaking happens, too. I swear, always something that happens at the very end of the day at this park. Um, and... We didn't have a strap. We didn't have a, uh, a, winch. a winch or anything like that. Didn't have anybody to pull us out. So we literally, like, I just got real frustrated. I'm like, fuck it. I just started rocking it back and forth. So put it in reverse and drive, like, a hundred times. Dunk, 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 dunk. Finally got enough of a rut made that I could go forward and backward a little bit. And we we had, like, chunks of bark. We had, like, logs, rocks, all this stuff just like tried to shove it under the tires to get traction to get up and out of there because i like the whole bottom of the machine was just just bot like topped out like wow so you framed it i literally was just like spinning the tires all four (laughs) that was it's pretty bad but uh literally it was so smooth it just randomly it was just like whoop just randomly caught traction and just drove right out i'm like all right. <laughs> 25 yeah. minutes later. <laughs> yep. But uh, Just but I got real muddy. I took my helmet off, and I got all this mud in my hair. I was really upset. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's the, worst. that's the worst feeling. It really is because it's like, you know, then you're like, you know, you do that, like, take your hat off, and, oh, and then it's like, oh, as you, like, stretch the mud out of your hair, and it's, like, yanking everything. Just feels like you're scalping yourself as you're ripping uh, your hand out. Yeah, literally, um, having mud in your hair is literally the worst. Sure, I and especially imagine. when it dries, because then it like when you really try to get it out. Oh yeah. If it's in chunks, like you just wait. Good you luck. Just, just, just you just go home. Rewet it. <laughs> right. Yeah. Go yeah. home. Get in the shower. Clean the tub. Cause Turn yourself into clay. Yeah. Exactly. Take the pressure washer. And yeah. Blast your head off. <laughs> So uh, yeah, we're we're getting over, we're getting up there now in time. And before I finish up here, I want to ask, I ask all the guests if there's one piece of advice you could leave for everyone who's listening. What's that one piece of advice? Well, since we were mostly talking about uh, metalworking and welding and stuff, I might as well say something about that um, for anybody that's trying to get into it and that is uh, learning or is in school or whatever. Um, for one, it's not always the best to go to a college or a trade school. Sometimes it's best just to start working, just find a job, you know, start from the bottom and work your way up, you know, learn everything and nothing is beneath you mm-hmm. as far as that goes. And uh, be patient, you know, take your time. Don't get too frustrated from the beginning because you're not doing so well, you know, it took me seven years to get to where I'm at 
and it's crazy to think that it's been that long, but it really has. And uh, I've come such a long way. Like, if I could see the welds that I <laughs> laid out before, <laughs> like, I'd be ago. like, wow. <laughs> <laughs> well, it doesn't feel like that long ago. We were building so, those stacks for your truck. It's such an instinct to me now. Like, I, I'd sit there and just, like, weld one-handed overhead. Like, it's nothing, dude. It's like... It literally is That's like badass. it's so You've easy to it comes so easy to me now. And, and no, I'm definitely not mastered. Um, <laughs> That's one of those. There's always that you more to master. learn too. Yeah, like I like I've said multiple times, it is endless. Wow, yeah, you never, never ever learning. ever stop learning. Yeah, ever. you'll never get bored in that craft. No, I mean you, you can always find no. something. <laughs> so. Just be ambitious about learning stuff, too. It's like, don't settle. Like, always try to learn more. Always try to push yourself to be better and um, criticize yourself. Because the best way to learn welding, I feel like, nobody can come up to you and be like, do this, and then you just do it. No, it's... Welding is its own thing it's, it's like, like it's literally like handwriting you have to learn it on your own right and that's why it's like i don't believe in paying to go to a college to learn welding because half the people that come out of college still don't know what the hell they're doing when they're done and they wasted all that money go out there and make money while you learn yeah and that's the best way to do it i mean that's wise. Well, like Honestly, we talked the, about with the with getting, you know, even like a CDL. Best thing to do is just find somebody that's willing to give you a truck. Go get your permit. Just go do it. Go do it. And don't hold back. You know, if you want to do it, if you want to get into metalworking, you know, don't like just just look for jobs in the area. Start at like a manufacturing shop, maybe or. The best place to go to learn all different kinds of stuff is definitely like a custom fab shop or whatever like that. You know, and you might start out doing bullshit work, but stick with it and, you know, you just always ask questions. Yeah, the, sure. you the know? one thing I have to build on with that would definitely be, you know, to be upfront and to be very honest with people. Yeah. You know, if you're going into a custom fab shop looking for a job, don't walk in there and be like, well, you know, I, I, I got kind of a general job. If you know nothing, say you know nothing. Yeah. But you're willing to learn. You know, yeah, because then you just look like an idiot after, yeah, exactly. you, after you show them that you know absolutely nothing. <laughs> yeah. you know, uh, they'll be able to tell, I guarantee yeah. you. Yeah. Oh, yeah, 100%. We yeah. have an apprentice in our shop right now. How is that? She's um she's doing pretty good. She's learning. Um but I think it's kind of hitting her kind of hard that she doesn't know as much as she probably thought and the problem is is because when you're not given the right direction, like obviously you have to learn on your own with welding, but you also have to be put in the right direction. Somebody has to guide your hand a little you bit. Still need a sensei. Yeah, and like for us, for sure, it was definitely Mister Hipple. You know, definitely. he put us in that right direction, and he said the right words. And I wish I could 
pull them off the top of my head, like all this, the right things that he said to put us in yeah. that right direction. Right. You know, and. Well, I mean, the biggest thing that, you know, and we talked about in our episode of the podcast was, you know, how he, he sat there and the analogy of I'm an instructor, not a teacher. You know, I can't teach you how to weld. I can show you this is how I do it. This is how it works for me. Maybe try it this way. Try it your own way. And that was like yeah. how I learned MIG welding was from Chad Worley yeah. doing it forehand instead of backhand. Yeah. You could do it both ways, but yeah. Oh, I know. But that's just how I learned, and that's what always worked best for me. Yeah. And it's, it's fair. you know, that that was the other thing. Like I said, is just keeping, always keep an open mind. To, like if somebody gives you criticism on something, like, hey, yeah. you know. That's you know, too cold or yeah, that's, that's too fast. Too, or, exactly. Sure. Just know what a good weld is supposed to look like. Know what a bad <laughs> weld looks like. Know how to diagnose what's going wrong. If you know that kind of stuff, that's the kind of stuff that you can be a bookworm about. You yeah. know, know what you're looking at. And that's where you could criticize yourself. That's where you could just start practicing welding. And that's another thing too. Weld, 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 weld. If it's you want to learn, practice. if you want to know how to weld, do it. Fucking weld. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, just he would, start welding and don't stop. I mean, we would stop. sit there and pad Take, plate. Yeah. Just, I mean, we'd start off with a piece of three-eighths plate and it'd be an inch and a half by the time we're done. Yeah, you just, you just this keep, way, keep it, running like passes. Grass. Just keep running packs, pra, er, passes. <laughs> there we go, folks. Uh, and, uh, and on that note, I want to thank you so much for joining us, TJ. It's been a pleasure having you on. For and, sure. And uh, yeah, folks, have a great week. Have a happy weekend. Keep working hard. We enjoy you listening. Have a great day.